Um, I actually have a slideshow that I'd like to work from if we can just uh, visit for a few seconds because I can give this talk without it, but I worked hard on it so that it would be, I wouldn't forget anything, and it doesn't seem like we're going to have. Hello. How many of you um, in the room today uh, are... Uh, no, if you had to rate yourself on a scale of one to four on your knowledge of Islam, one being nothing at all, two meaning just a little bit, three somewhat, four a lot, how would you answer that question? How many none at all? How many a little bit? How many somewhat? How many a lot? Where would you find Okay. The reason I asked the question, uh, CARE, uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, did a survey, an independent survey, and asked people all over the country what they thought about Islam. They just said, you know, here's a bunch of questions, a long survey. Give us your impression, give us your feedback about Islam and Muslims. And the survey was long, and the, the results were very negative. People had a very negative impression of Islam. I mean, you'd say Muslim, they'd say terrorist. You'd say Islam, they would have something negative to say. And in the survey, they ask every person who answered the survey that same question I just asked you. Rate your own knowledge, rate yourself, on how much you feel you know about Islam. One, two, three, four. When you go back and you sort the answers just based on that one question, people that know nothing at all, here's their answers. Somewhat, a little bit, and a lot. You see that the, <coughs> the impression of Islam changes. And it is the more knowledge and information someone possesses about Islam and Muslims, the more favorable their impression becomes. So when we uh, took the survey, uh, it showed that a very strong negative response when people don't know anything about the religion. So events like this, when we come together to learn, to understand somebody else's views, whether we agree with them, whether we don't, whether we like them, whether we don't, it shows that we can have a more favorable impression of each other, we can have a stronger relationship with each other, and we can work together better. So the purpose of these settings is to try to understand each other's perspective and come to terms where we can communicate, get along, and have a better perception of each other. The title of this presentation today is Tawheed in Islam. And what I like to start off with is just basically talking about Islam before we go into just Tawheed, which is part of the topic, is that Islam is a monotheistic religion uh, calling people, everybody, all of mankind, to believe, to worship, and to recognize God. And the religion is a religion that believes in heaven and hell, believes in the day of judgment. We believe you should enjoin what is right, forbid what is wrong, and that we should all be accepting divine guidance. Islam considers itself a universal religion for all people, for all races, for all nationalities, till the end of time. And who are the Muslims? If you don't already know, there's about 1.7 billion Muslims in the world today. And there are about 57 countries that have a Muslim population in the majority. Of that, 22 are Arab countries. However, the largest and the most, uh, the largest population of Muslims is in Indonesia. And if you add up the Arabs in relation to all the Muslims, it's about 18 to 25 percent. 
So one of the stereotypes is it's a religion for Arabs. It's a religion for the Middle East. It's a religion that its birth was in the Middle East, but one out of four Muslims are, are Arab and three out of four are not. In America, it's now the second most common religion, uh, one of the fastest growing religions. Yeah, uh, About seven to eight million Muslims in America of every ethnicity, of every uh, background, uh, from every country. Uh, Islam considers itself a faith of human unity. It calls mankind, regardless of their race, their gender, right, to unite in the worship of the one true creator. Islam considers all believers as brothers and sisters. We don't recognize racism or any discrimination based on race. Mankind is one family. If one person suffers, everyone should help alleviate that suffering. Now, as far as the topic today, we need to define the terms so that we're clear on what Muslims mean and what Islam means and what Tawheed, this monotheism in Islam is. Islam is an Arabic word that has the root uh, SLM, which means peace. And it's in the word salam. When somebody says salam, that means peace be unto you. Well, Islam is a word that means willful surrender or peaceful surrender or willful submission or peaceful submission to God. So Muslims believe we have a free will. You can exercise that free will. You can act upon your desires according to what you think is right. However, the religion of Islam teaches us that God created us, that God has guided us, God has told us ethics and morality, and if we submit to that guidance, to acceptance, then we are peacefully, willfully, knowingly obeying our Creator. That is what the word Islam means, is to suppress or surrender your free will to divine guidance, to follow God's law. And you have to do that willfully, you have to do that knowingly, you have to uh, accept the fact that God has guided mankind to the right path. Now, when someone does that in Islam, or not in Islam, but in Arabic, the word uh, for anyone who does an action, Islam is an action, you have to do something. And the one who practices the religion of Islam is called a Muslim. In Arabic, a prefix is added before the word or of a, of a verb to show the one doing it. Like English, if I run, I'm a runner. If I swim, swimmer. Jog, jogger. Well, someone who practices an action does a verb in Arabic, it put a prefix mu. So mu Islam, a Muslim. The one who's practicing or doing the act of Islam, which is submitting free will to divine guidance. Make sense? In Islam, we also believe that the word contains the meaning. Uh, Islam means at- to attain peace through submission. That you will actually gain mental, spiritual, and physical peace in your life by submitting your will to divine guidance. And that, that peaceful submission is to your creator, to yourself, and to others. And so all of this is contained in the word of Islam. And those who do it or practice it are called Muslim. In the Quran, the Quran says that there's no compulsion in religion. That right direction is distinct from error, and he who rejects false deities and believes in Allah has grasped a firm handhold which will never break. We say that Allah is the hearer and knower of all things. Compulsion in religion is worthless, and it's meaningless, and it's a contradiction to the word itself. But we want to define what we mean when we say the word Allah. Some people say that Allah is another God, a different God, an Arab God, a foreign God, not like my God. Muslims believe there's only one God. So, and then the word in Arabic, Allah is the proper name for God. If you take a Bible or a Torah and you translate it into Arabic, you will see the word on every page in that book because that is the word the Arabs use for God Almighty. 
And the word God in Arabic means the God. It's a kind of a unique word that means the creator or the unique, the one and only. It has a lot of uh, meanings and in depth. But Allah specifically has no gender. And it's not masculine. Allah is not feminine. Uh, there's, Allah has no mother, father, children, relatives. Allah is not part of the creation. Allah is the creator. So when we say Allah in Arabic, that word, that name, is what con- that concept is a total belief that God is a creator and that if you can touch it, taste it, smell it, feel it, in other words, if that's tangible, it's not God. So for the Muslims, this is, brings us to the topic today. Our salvation, our entire essence of our faith is tied up into a concept of how we see ourselves in relation to God, how we understand that relationship, how we follow that relationship, how we are guided in our daily lives by that relationship. And all of this is in a word in Arabic called Tawheed. Tawheed is a word that means complete oneness uh, in reference to God or the absolute pure form of monotheism that Allah has no equals, that Allah has no partners, that nothing else is worthy of worship, nothing else is worthy of praise, that Allah is, has power over all things, everything is dependent upon Allah, Allah is not dependent on anything, Allah is perfect, supreme, and sovereign, and Allah deserves all reverence, worship, praise, respect, and devotion. This idea, this concept that God is this absolute monotheistic presence, the creator, and if it is creation, it cannot be the creator, so we don't worship people, stars, moon, sun, anything but the concept of the creator, this unique essence, this unique supreme being called Allah. And this is how a Muslim attains salvation. In the Quran, I'll read you a few verses that address this issue. It says, Allah, there is no God but He, the living the self-subsisting, eternal. No slumber can seize him, nor sleep. His are all things in heavens and on earth. Who is there who can intercede in the presence except as he permits? He knows what lies before them. He knows what lies after them. And they comprehend not anything of his knowledge except such as he wills. His throne comprises the heavens and earth. And the prevailing, the, preserve, the preserving of them tires him not. He is all high, all glorious. And another verse in the Quran, it uh, says, Say he is Allah, the one and only. Allah, the eternal, the absolute. He begets not, nor is he begotten. And there is nothing comparable to him. These verses comprehend, they, they, they compass the concept that the Muslim is trying to follow. And that is, there's one God, there's a heaven, hell, day of judgment, I have a free will, God has divine guidance, I follow that divine guidance, I submit to that creator, and I worship and I praise God only, I don't mix the creation with the creator. This is how a Muslim goes to heaven. This is how a Muslim attains salvation. This is what matters to to a Muslim. The rest of Islam is, a, is there's a lot of rituals. We pray, fast, zakat, charity. Every action in our life has been given a blessing or a way to do it in a proper form. But these rituals are not what gains a Muslim salvation. The rituals are the support mechanism. The rituals are something to support the conclusion you start with. So as a Muslim, you start with this conclusion, that there's a God, Right? that there's only one God, that he has guided me, and I can do what I want, but I'm not going to. I'm going to submit peacefully, willfully, and knowingly to this supreme creator. And when I do that, 
right? Then these rituals will help support that conclusion. If I pray, if I fast, if I do good deeds, if I do that. All these things are a way to uphold something you start with. So Islam is all about mentally obtaining and living and breathing and walking this mentality that there's no God but Allah. Now, we do understand God, not in a tangible sense, not in a physical sense, not that we can say what God looks like, but we have attributes or we have names of God that give us an overwhelming understanding or at least an insight to God, the Creator, through these attributes, through these names, through these um, ways that God has expressed Himself in the Quran. So if we take that, we can learn more about Tawheed, we can learn more about our Creator, and we can learn more about our relationship to that being. We say that Allah, to Allah belongs the most beautiful names. There's over 90, or there's 99 different names or attributes of God in the Quran. Each attribute is descriptive of a perfect and supreme quality which precludes any kind of defect, defect or weakness. Each attribute is expressed in a way that can be understood by an average person. And the attribute fortifies, confirms the idea of Tawheed. And the attribute belongs only to Allah. So when we say Allah is the most merciful, the most gracious, right? He's the eternal, the absolute. Allah is the, the, um, uh, the king or the most holy, the peaceful, the grantor. There's 99 attributes, the judge, the gentle, the forgiver. He is the essence of the attribute. He is in possession of that, and nothing else is with him on that. So God is in control of everything at all times, and he is the only thing that is real and that he controls everything. So everything is dependent on God, and we are dependent on that relationship. And Go ahead. Can I make a small comment here that uh, evil to use the language, they call each other uh, merciful, or somebody is rich, or somebody is powerful, they are using the language, but every power of every one of them come from the most powerful. Every richness of every one of them came from the knower, every, uh, the rich one. Every knowledge come to any one of us, it came from him. He is the source of every one of these attributes given to the people. But the people sometimes use the same word. Then we put the before the attribute of God to make sure that it is different than the attributes given to the people. Thank you. Yeah, Islam does not consider itself a new religion, right? Islam doesn't consider itself a new religion. Islam, it says in the uh, the Quran that um, say we believe in Allah and that which was revealed to us and that which was revealed to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes and that which was given to Moses and Jesus and to the prophets from their Lord. And we make no distinction between any of them and to God, to Allah, we submit. Allah has a concept, I mean Allah, Islam has the concept that Islam is a natural religion. It is the natural state of affairs that people are born Muslim. 
that we're born in a state of willful obedience to our Creator. We're very clean and pure, okay? And that we are being called to our Creator uh, internally. Like, you know, we have this program running inside of us that's constantly reminding us of God, of our Creator, calling us back to the Creator. And that this calling from within is a natural thing that God programmed us with. But He didn't stop there. He said, okay, I'm going to create the entire universe. So the Muslims think if you go and you look in the universe and if you were to uh, turn to science or physics or chemistry or biology or botany or medicine or anything, that if you study it, you'll start to see divine intelligence, God's magnificent plan, God's perfection, and it will call you also back to your Creator. So God's calling you. He's programmed you as a Muslim, as someone submitting to divine guidance. He are swimming 24-7 in every aspect of this tangible world is a proof, and, and what we call it an ayah, or a proof that there is a God, that there is a creator, and how awesome and how impressive this creator is because the more you know, the more impressive God becomes. So you have a proof around you. Then God sent messengers to explain this relationship to us if we didn't get it. Let's say that we weren't hearing the voice or that we weren't catching on to what we were seeing. God sent a messenger and said, hey, look, there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's one God. You need to just, you know, worship nothing but this creator. Don't worship men. Don't worship stones. Don't worship statues. Don't worship people. Just forget all that and worship your creator. Be, you know, uh, peaceful, willful obedience to God. So God explained it to us. Then he came with the books, and we believe that God you know, spoke to Moses and gave him the Torah, and that Jesus had the, uh, the angel or the gospel or the good news. And we accept these prophets as truthful, and we say that what they said is absolutely what God revealed to them, but that, that there's no difference in the message. If Jesus was here today, we would accept every word that he says, but we'd say he's Muslim. He wouldn't disagree with the Muslim's perspective. We don't believe that Moses would have said anything different than what we're saying, that there's one God, there's a heaven, hell, and a day of judgment, and that, that Moses was a Muslim, that Abraham was a Muslim, that Adam was a Muslim, Noah. All of the prophets taught Islam. They were all here to give us that same divine guidance, and that from day one till the end of time, Islam has been the only religion from the Muslim's perspective. And so we say that this relationship that we have with ourself, uh, in Islam we have a word that, uh, not Islam, but in Arabic, we have a word called kafir. And that word applies to someone who rejects Islam because of the meaning of the word kafir. The word kafir means to cover, means to bury, to put aside, to shun, right? To leave. So if someone has this inside all the time, belief, they have this outside external, they have everything pointing them in the right direction, and they bury it, they cover it, they ignore it, they run from it, or they leave it, that word is kafir. So that is what they are choosing something different than Islam. So this is, in an essence, everything that the Muslim can, can add to theology is that there's just one God, heaven, hell, day of judgment, and it's summarized in what it takes or the act to become a Muslim is simply stating with sincerity what we call the kalama or the shahada, and that is there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. If we say that with conviction, then we are accepting this theology, this mentality, this monotheistic belief of God, and we are a Muslim. After we have pronounced that faith, after we've declared that, after we have uh, finished the lecture, we have a court. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, it's okay. Um, and that uh, um, uh, for a Muslim to attain, quote, salvation, the equivalent of, you know, what's going to get to heaven is not, you know, going out and, 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 and praying a lot or going out and giving charity or going out and doing this or doing that. These acts are the support mechanism of a faith, of a belief, right? This is the actions of a belief. It is the belief that attains the salvation. It is the conviction that you have. Make sure that it is understood. Uh, the, the support mechanism he mentioned is required. Means the faith without work is dead. And work without faith is dead. Both of them required. Work and faith at the same time. Believe and do good deed at the same time. There is none of them is more important than the other. In fact, faith without action, that has no value. And action not based on the guidance of God has no value. I would, I would agree with that, except for some circumstances. Because uh, we don't think somebody can be a good person without faith and get to heaven. But somebody on their deathbed can say with conviction what I just said there. And without any deeds to go with it, they can go to heaven. So there is a weight to this, and it has to be that it starts with the faith and the actions support it, which is a natural thing. In other words, your actions will support a belief or you're not really believing it. So they have to go together. They're not separable. You can't just say, I believe and go to heaven because I'm not going to do anything. But by saying there's no God but Allah, you're accepting that there's divine guidance. You're accepting the fact that you have to pray, that you have to, that you have to follow this um, ethics or protocol. So, and also, uh, we also have the, the second part of the shahada that says, Muhammadan Rasulullah. And why would a Muslim have to add that to the declaration of faith that he believes in only one God? Why do you have to say just not, La ilaha illallah? There's no God but Allah. Right? That would encompass everything we've talked about so far. That would talk about my whole concept of tawheed and the oneness of God. But the Muslim says, no, we have to say the second part, Muhammad Rasulullah, Muhammadan Rasulullah. What does that mean? Muhammad is a prophet of Allah. Muhammad is a servant or a messenger of God. Why would we have to say that? What is, why is that put into the statement that there is no God but Allah? Well, that's because the, the, Allah has told us that this divine guidance has come to us through prophets. And that if we accept Muhammad as a prophet, and Prophet Muhammad said, I am the seal of the prophets, I am the last of the prophets, I am the one who is the seal of the prophets, but the, those who came before me said the same thing. So if you accept my prophethood, I'm telling you that Noah was a prophet, that Adam was a prophet, that Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, Jacob, the tribes, Moses, Jesus, Solomon, David, all of these prophets gave you the truth. And if you accept the fact that I'm the seal of the prophets and I'm telling you the same thing, then you've included all of them in the statement. So it's basically saying I believe in all the prophets, but I believe in Muhammad as the last messenger and the seal of the prophets and the perfection of how to implement this divine guidance. So as a Muslim, we accept that Muhammad is the seal of the prophet, that he is the last messenger, that he delivered the message correctly, and that we practice our religion through the acts of the prophet Muhammad. 
So if we want to know how to pray, the Quran says pray. How? The Quran says fast. How? How do we give zakah? So we look to the actions of the Prophet for the guidance of how to implement the divine instruction. So, um, do you want to add on Tawheed? Because I have a lot more, but it goes into just the intro to Islam. We don't worry about it now. Some aspects of the monotheism in Islam, he might have covered it, or I'm adding to it, that God is one in number and unique in color character. There is nothing have the same characters of God, because everything else we know about was created, and nothing is created by another God. It's created by the same God. Then anything we know about it, it either creator or created, and we don't equate the product with the manufacturer. We don't equate the creation with the creator. And God is eternal, absolute, has no beginning and no end. God is one in, in number and unique in character. God has created everything we know about it and he has his names and it attributes only belonging to him. Allah does not sleep or slumber, or forget, or be surprised in anything in his universe. You cannot surprise God. He knows the, the past, the present, and the future, because God is not limited to day and night, to time. He is not leaving us on earth and have day and time. He is everywhere, and he existed before he created the earth. Then time does not control God. Space does not control God. He exists everywhere. He exists all the time. Then this concept of limited God that you can surprise him, you can tell him something he doesn't know, is alien to Islam. God is not limited with our, quote-unquote, human limits. Don't project our limits on him. He is different. There is nothing looks like unto him. Whatever you imagine, let's, let's imagine God. Whatever going to come to your mind is not He. Okay? Everything you think about, Allah is different than that. Because your brain was created by Him, how the product can control the one who made it. There is no way. He created and still owns the heavens and the earth and what is in between them. It's not taken away from him. It is still belonging to him. Would you like to take over and add later? Okay. Uh, he gives... Do you have a question? If you have a question any time, raise your hand and we'll address the question and go back. Huh? Okay. Uh, Uh, there is, at the end, we can answer questions too. Uh, his knowledge is not limited by time or space. He is not limited to the earth. Allah, there is no deity except Him, the living, the self-sustaining, the eternal, the absolute. No slumber seizes Him or sleep. He creates what He will. He gives to whom He will males 
and he gives to whom he will females, and he gives to whom he will males and females, and he makes whom he like barren, no males and no children at all. He does what he wants. You can go to doctor, take medicine and so on, but you are only going to accomplish what he planned for you ahead of time. And we don't know what is the plan ahead of time, then we are acting on what we know at this moment. And we are responsible for our deeds that we do. Do we have freedom of choice or not? We have it. We can hit somebody and we can say good morning. We can use the hand to steal and give charity to the poor. Then we are responsible for directing the tools given to us by God. The brain, the sight, the nose, the eyes, the ears, the hands, the legs and everything. We are directing the tools according to what he likes or opposite to what he likes. And what we are, this is what we are judged in the day of judgment according to the direction we give to the tools. But everything belonging to him to begin with and will return to him at the end. Yes? Okay. Okay, move on. I know they believe the same thing. What is the question? Yeah, that's true. The only difference when it comes to the Trinity. All the Christians will say the same thing we are saying. But when they talk about the religion later on, they add some limitations on God. For example, they say God is one, and then they say the Trinity. And we ask him, or you ask them, is there a contradiction here? He says, no, the Trinity is three in one, and one in three, and give you an explanation to that. We, we, they say God is the most merciful. They say that, and then they later on say, he cannot forgive unless somebody perfect is sacrificed his blood. Sacrifice of blood of animal is in the Old Testament. But sacrifice of the Son of God is not in the Old Testament. It is a new concept in the New Testament. My point is, they agree with us on these principles, but when they go to the details of the religion, they add limitations on God. Right. Everything in the universe works together perfectly. If, uh, the elder, old people they used to, to believe in the God of the winds, God of the clouds, God of the animals, God of the summer and the winter, and many gods. If the, everybody is in charge of some portion of the universe, there will be a confusion. And that's exactly a verse in the Quran. It says, if there is other gods beside him, 
it could have been confusion in the universe and every one of these little gods will compete with each other to have favor with the big one sitting on the throne. Cancel all the small ones and keep only the big one sitting on the throne. That is the only one God that Abraham used to believe in. Uh, a Christian came to my home and talked to me and I told him what I believe and then he said, then you believing in the God of Abraham. I said, there is only one God. There is no God of Abraham and then God of Moses and then God of Jesus and God of Muhammad. There is only one God. There is no God of the black and God of the white and God of the brown. There is no God of the Egyptians and the Middle East. There is only one God. We keep saying, Christians say we believe in one God. Jews say we believe in one God. Muslims say we believe in one God. Then it has to be one and the same. Cannot be my one and your one. It has to be the same one. That makes all of us creation of the same God, brothers and sisters. Yes? You know, I think uh, it's very uh, telling or it's kind of a pivotal part to uh, know the story of uh, Abraham, Abraham and his God. Yes. And, and then how the son, Ishmael and Isaac, and the wives occurred and that whole thing. Could, could you tell uh, your version of that? <laughs> Very briefly, uh, Abraham, when he was a child, the question is, uh, give us a short story of Abraham and how he attained to faith and believing in the one God. Okay. You want it briefly, huh? <laughs> All of this story and briefly. Okay. Abraham came in a people who is worshipping, yes? Okay. Who is worshipping the moon and the sun and statues and so on. And they told him, you are free to pick any of these gods. He picked the sun for one day and then it disappeared. Then he picked the moon, it disappeared. And he picked something else, it disappeared. He says, I'm not going to worship anything of these. I'll worship the one and only God who created all of them. And he ended up destroying the statues that his people were worshipping. That's when he was young fellow, a youth. They made a big fire and they threw him in the fire. And God saved him and he walked away from the fire unsketched. Lot have believed with him and he was excommunicated from his environment and became the one of the patriarch of monotheism. He later on get a son called Ishmael from a bondwoman given to him as a gift from Egypt. And after 14 years, God gave him a son from the, his first wife, Sarah, and his name is Isaac. From Isaac came all the Israelite prophets, Moses, Aaron, Jesus, and ending up by Jesus, peace be upon him. From the other branch came only one messenger, Muhammad, peace be upon him. Then the three religions are related in Abraham. And the Christians say, Abraham was a Christian. The Jews say, Abraham was a, was a Jew. And the Muslims say, all of them, not only Abraham, all of them were Muslims. But it is not enough to claim 
that he is one of you, you have to follow him and believe the same way he was believing. If you think that he was a Christian, then the Christians should believe in the one and only God as Abraham believed. Yes. Shmuel, yeah. As a wife. She's a wife. No, he cannot just uh, uh, have sex with a woman without a marriage. Uh, he is a messenger of God. He is righteous. He has to get married. And marriage is the covenant that God ordained between the husband and wife. And the reason that they overlook this, they like to make Ishmael less of a son of Abraham as an illegitimate son or something. Illegitimate son means Abraham was adulterous? Of course not. This is discrimination. The discrimination started here. And that shows you, the Quran tells the Muslim, you are not better than anyone. If you obey God, you deserve this. If you don't obey God, you don't deserve it. And whoever obeys God deserves to enter into paradise. The, the Quran chastises the Muslim who don't obey, obey God and are not sincere to the message. The Bible are preferring Isaac and putting down Ishmael as the son of the bondwoman or something. That's not uh, what we believe. He knows the future as well as the past and he is the only one who knows. Part of our monotheistic belief that the only one knows the day of judgment. When the day of judgment will happen is God. Is the one and only God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He knows when they will expire. He made them. He created them. He knows when they will die. And even in the Bible, they asked Jesus, peace be upon him, when is the hour? He says, why you ask me? Only the Father who is in the heaven know when is the hour. Even the Holy Spirit does not know when is the hour. It tells you that they are not equal. There's only knowledge is for God. Make sure you invite him for dinner. Yes. Go ahead. He speaks what he wills. And the words of God are unlimited. If all the, the trees of the universe are bins, and all the water in the oceans are ink, the words of God will not expire. And he create by the word, be, and it becomes. He sends messengers to the people and send with them the book. Because we forget, then they write it down. So that we don't forget and we still forget. Then the last book, the Quran, he promised to keep it intact. Other books was revealed with the intention that they are temporary. This book is the final message to mankind. We are not trusted anymore to keep the book of Allah. He promised to keep it intact himself. He sends messengers and sends with them the books. Abraham, Moses, Jesus and Muhammad. He loves his creation to repent. And repentance has three conditions and three stages. The conditions are, you stop the 
act that you are repenting from. You cannot repent from drinking wine and you still have a wine bottle in your refrigerator. You destroy it first, then repent. Second, you have solemn intention in your heart that you will never do it again. If you are planning to do it again, your repentance is not, accept, is not accepted. I will never do it again. The last one, if your sin has to do with other human beings, then you have to go and correct it with them because God will forgive his part, but he will not forgive the part of other people. They will come in the day of judgment and take revenge from you if you oppress them in this earthly life. He loves for his creation to repent and he rejoices on their repentance and he accepts it. Uh, by the way, we are fasting in the month of Ramadan, which is now. And we are going to break our fasting within five minutes. We invite you to join us and have a drink and sweet with us. There is a tent outside. If you don't like to join us and like to stay here, we can put a video tape for you until we go break our fasting and come back. Iftar, fasting. <laughs>